everybody, and welcome to Speaking of Sustainability, the show where we introduce you to the leaders and change agents making a difference in the sustainability space. I'm your host, Colleen Felicki. After starting my composting business in 2017, I quickly realized that our communities are looking for more ways to be sustainable in their daily lives and to support eco-friendly businesses. I'm so excited to introduce you to some sustainable superheroes as we all look to make our planet a better place for years to come. And welcome to Speaking of Sustainability. I'm super excited to um, be here today and to introduce you to our two guests, not one, but two. Um, and before we do that, I just wanted to um, tell you, or um, I know if folks that have been um, listening and watching at the beginning of each episode, we um, share a sustainability fact. So I'd like to share that with you today. Um, and I think this is really pertinent to the guests that we have on today. But when used for gardening or farming, compost reduces the need for fertilizers and pesticides in soils and helps improve soil health and thereby increasing agricultural yields. I hope our guests can um, attest to that today. Uh, but welcome to our two guests today. Um, I'd like you to meet Chris Mattingly and Mike Bennett. They are, are the co-owners of Backyard Eats. Welcome, guys. Hi, Colleen. Hi, thank you, Colleen. Hello. Yeah. Thanks for being Good on here. today. I'm super excited to talk with you about uh, backyard gardening, and um, I hope our guests can um, learn from you today. That's my goal. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's let's dig in. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start with um, Chris. Um, tell us how you got started um, helping folks um, garden in your community. Sure. Well, it started with a career that 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 I left um, in environmental consulting. So oddly enough, I was designing landfills as well as uh, site remediations for Superfund or contaminated sites. Um, so I, uh, when I left consulting, I had a chance to sort of figure things out and figure out what to do next. Um, I had always known that I wanted to apply skills that I learned in civil engineering, environmental engineering to a small business, to a service business. I just knew that's where I belonged and I love building things and helping people and serving people in their homes is especially rewarding. So, um, I was actually thinking about doing a composting business. I'm sure I told you this. Oh, we, we, you? Met, you, we met a long time ago, right? feels like yes. forever in our businesses and right around the beginning of both of our businesses, six, seven years, right? Mm -hmm. um, I actually was thinking about that. I just thought, I think I was in my, my front yard garden in Chestnut Hill and um, picking from the blueberry bush, which was one of the first things I put in when we moved. Um, so it was actually producing some blueberries. And if you've, if you've tried it, blueberries, you know, off the bush, if you've gone to an orchard, um, or had it at the, in the home garden, they're a totally different experience, you know, from store-bought berries. So you have this amazing experience of 
like the different, like slightly different hues or sizes and um, levels of ripeness. And you sort of have this smorgasbord of like flavors. You've got sugary ones and you've got more, more tart, sour ones and everyone has their own taste. So I have my two boys out there and, you know, one's like, because they haven't learned not to eat the <laughs> ones yet. <laughs> yep. So I just remember having this experience. And I think at the time I was just big on Instagram and sort of sharing everything I was doing with um, triathlon and marathon and gardening. And um, I just thought, well, I've really got to share this. I have to share this. And so that was really the intuition that led to, oh, what if I made an offering around home gardening? And um, I just set to work learning gardening um did you start in your yard is that where like you were in your yard first and like would neighbors come up or friends ask yeah, you about what right. you're doing yeah yeah you're right i was definitely getting right to work in our yard when we bought our house in in chestnut hill um and just sort of colonizing every square foot of available space so we had a front garden a side front garden a side back garden and uh probably impressive compost piles as <laughs> so I would go out. I would go out to my neighbors and grab all those bags, right? All the bags of leaves. The leaf bags. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Important for your carbon, for your pile, for sure. So we, we think we built our backyard raised beds, which are like the, the typical backyard eat style custom mm -hmm. built uh, raised bed that's say 18, 24 inches high with a nice ledge on it so you can sit down, rest and drink. We did one of those in our back patio. And this is a tiny house, I mean, a tiny postage stamp mm -hmm. of, a, of a place, but just every square foot was used for gardening or some sort of productive use. And it was gorgeous. Um, I bet. That's, that's, that's how we do. So um, I forget the question. I just started talking about my garden. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds, I mean, you, I asked you how you got started. And um, so in your home garden is kind of where your it all began. It sounds like. Yeah. And kind, of, I, kind of grew from there. Yeah, I did it for, I think it's a cool story because I really didn't take much money to start um, or expertise. I started with um, Philly Master Gardeners. So I did that mm -hmm. program and that was helpful for a really rounded like base of gardening knowledge. Then I went out to my neighbors and friends uh, to do their gardens in a sort of official way, but charge, you know, charge them nothing. And um, which was good because I destroy their gardens or, <laughs> or a groundhog did or the lack of water did. And it was just like constant problem solving sure. um, all day, every day. Gaining experience. And what's up? Gaining experience. Gaining experience. Yeah. And just putting together the playbook on how do we replicate success in the garden? Mm -hmm. And so I'm an engineer and, um, and a visionary and, um, together with Mike, we put together this really cool thing. That's that continues to evolve. Fantastic. Well, it's great to see you evolve every day, month. I, you know, talk to some of your customers as well. Um, speaking of Mike, um, Mike is the co-owner of backyard eats and Mike, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, what would you say the biggest obstacle is for folks? Um, oh, sorry, what, what would you say um, people aren't aware of when it comes to sustainability, um, you know, in a, for a backyard garden and, and growing food in your yard? 
Yeah, I think um, I think I've been thinking about a concept recently, like food miles. You've ever heard that? Which is I like, have. Yeah, how far food has to travel, you know, to get to your plate, pretty much. Um, yeah, as growers, I think we think a lot about when we talk about sustainable agriculture. We think about what's happening, you know, on site growing using organic um, pest deterrents and disease deterrents and organic methods of like infrastructure and kind of sustainable infrastructure, sustainable maintenance. Um, you know, which from a grower's perspective is the day to day pretty much and how they can become sustainable. But as a culture, I think uh, food miles is a really interesting concept because you know, the food miles of growing in the backyard, you go out, you pick lettuce, you put it in a salad, you've traveled 20 steps maybe. <laughs> if, if you go to the farmer's market, you know, a local farmer grew something and then they put it in a car that used, you know, gas, their time, their energy, brought it to the farmer's market. You use your gas, your time, your energy resource to get there and grab it. You know, still a pretty close, relatively, mm -hmm. still a pretty close system. Um, but, you know, as you expand out and talk about internationally traveling food to supermarkets, things like that, you know, we're really talking about like what what's the impact there of strawberries in the grocery store, like in the middle of winter? Um, you know, strawberries here in PA don't grow through winter, at least, you know, mm -hmm. don't plant survives, but the fruit isn't there. Um, but you can go get strawberries in the grocery store, in most places, even organically grown strawberries that could have been grown, you know, with attention and organic practices, but they might've traveled from, I don't know if I'm not a strawberry expert, Florida, California, Mexico. And the impact there is, you know, resource, somebody's time, energy, you know, your money, whatever, to get the strawberries there. And um, I think that is a concept that I think people are starting to understand, but don't quite understand like the, the gravity or the consequence, I guess, of like, what actually happens to those strawberries? You know, they get harvested, they get packaged, they get sure. transported um, in terms of sustainability. And then, you know, for me, on like a more personal anecdote is like, I think there's a lot to be learned about the sustainability of like personal health as it relates to the seasons. Like what, it, what can grow here at the certain time sure. of year and what our bodies need at that time of year. And you know, not that strawberries aren't healthy in the middle of winter, but there could be a reason they grow here. In sure. Um, so something I think about a lot too. I feel the same way, like eating for the seasons, like eating what's available there where you're at locally totally. or, you know, storing it or, you know, how to, how to keep it through the seasons, whether it's fermenting or um, things like that. So um, thank you for, for sharing that. Sure. Um, and I ask Chris, uh, what would you say um, is the biggest obstacle for folks starting a backyard garden and how do you help them with that? Sure, I just want to like, I'll um, follow up on Mike's or with a little bit of personal reflection uh, about what Mike said. Um, I found myself feeling guilty about eating raspberries from the grocery store 
I noticed I, we, I'll get them for the boys. I'll get them for my kids. I'll get all the berries and they love that. Mm -hmm. But personally, I won't touch them. And I think it's a little like problematic that I have such guilt because they know about the miles, right? And sure. I've experienced all these berries right off the bush. And it's just a in, environmental guilt was something that I kind of wanted to talk about on this on this episode. Yeah, um, sure. Because it comes up with me a lot and it's got to be there for other people, I have to imagine. Um, so with the with the food miles thing, there's like it's not really a caveat. It's just like if you're feeling that way, I feel you. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um but for starting a garden, I think like with composting, my like very early on realization was composting's not easy. And I did I did a composting workshop with master gardeners mm -hmm. and I found myself standing up there like it's not easy. You don't just throw stuff in a corner. Um that's um, recipe for disaster. So, um, or just a pile of stuff. If you have the right. space, that does work. That works. That's easy. It'll, you can throw it into the back 40 and you're It'll good. break down, but yeah. how but much to, time will to take? To run a hot yeah. pile, to run an active composting pile, it's, uh, it, it, it's not nothing. And people like to encourage people to jump in with, it's easy, get started. Um, and I think that that's motivating, but, um, just like when you're taking somebody out for their first bike ride and you're like, we're just going to do an easy flat 10 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, been, I've done that. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what? listen to yourself. It's not easy. It's easy to you. And um, so I think that's, that's a big um, hurdle. It can become a big hurdle when you start and then it find out it's not easy. Right. I just can't grow. And then you just downgrade yourself as a gardener. I can't grow big tomatoes. I can grow cherry tomatoes, a few, but it's just, it's just starting off on the wrong foot. Um, so what we like to do is set people up for success. And like I said, developed that process and continue to refine this process. How do we repeat success for everybody, for every garden, for every crop? Um, and so that's what we have set up today. I think often, people get um, frustrated or confused with the information online. Um, having gone through the Master Gardener program, my advice to everyone is if you're looking for an answer, go to backyard-eats.com. No, go to, the, um, go to Google and write in your question or your whatever you're noticing with your plant or your garden and write the word extension after it. So this will pull up all the agricultural extension articles rather than pop science articles that really like clickbait that like really don't help you clarify what's going on. That's great so advice. Hmm? Great advice. Cause I've yeah, been down that path and it's yep. great to have a clear cut place to, to look. Can you repeat yep. that again? If you go to your favorite search engine and you do your query, add the word extension. E-X-T-E-N-S-I-O-N, mm -hmm. because it refers to the agricultural extensions, which are the universities um, that have agricultural mm -hmm. programs and are intended to do an outreach, uh, just like Penn State Philly Master Gardeners does. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I guess so. Um, 
So I think I think conflicting information is a big problem. When I started, I actually started doing companion planting. Mm-hmm. Now companion planting is really cool, but there's a version of it that's like a 20 by 20 grid. And you look up if cucumbers can be next to carrots or if they don't prefer or if they don't care. Mm-hmm. And it's like X's and red and green and sounds and confusing. I'm this out. <laughs> I'm like, how do I do this square foot garden with everybody being happy? And I actually, you know, figured it out, of course. And then later on realized it's just a bunch of nonsense. Like all the like very specific interactions, what I'm saying is mm-hmm. nonsense. Like, there are a lot of great interactions with plant height and coverage that make a ton of sense. So nice. not throwing out companion planting altogether, but this specific version that had me doing this like rigorous analysis, it's just right. based on nothing. There's no science. So, huh. so you, that's so one you, example of how I fell down that rabbit hole and then sort of had to pull myself out through the, my, my background in science and say like, what's really important here? That's bring, um, so you bring so much value to your customers by knowing this upfront mm-hmm. and planting accordingly. Is that, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, we've developed that um, planting plan system as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an online order form that's custom to each customer and their garden. So as they nice. click off plants for spring and summer, it's filling up the graph, the bar chart of how full their garden is for each season. Um, so yeah, we've incorporated those lessons into that in that, you know, there's no, there's no, well, there is, there's, there's interactions, right, Mike? Mm-hmm. There's there's plant interactions. Maybe you could speak to it. Yeah. Uh, I was also thinking about like, sometimes we'll like just catch people at the bottom of rabbit holes, like uh, <laughs> consultation and be like, well, you know, I've been like saving my eggshells and grinding them up into a powder and, you know, amending the soil. <laughs> and it's like, well, let's rewind. Let's start with like some <laughs> compost and raised bed and get rid of this grass and like, you know, all this stuff. Um, yeah. But nice. I, what Chris is saying is that there's, there's clearly a companion planting is a rabbit hole. It can be a rabbit hole uh, as it relates to getting a successful mm-hmm. garden off the ground. Like if you got, if you got carrots next to something they like, but they're being shaded by the tomato, like where's the hierarchy of needs here? Sure. Thing, you know, so, oh, so we should. Uh, it's we just should. sifting through the, you know, conflicting, or it's, you know, some of it's surely misinformation. I think more of it's like just conflicting information. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to ask you, I know there's so much to, <laughs> there's so much to talk about when it comes to this topic. Um, but uh, Mike, what would you, how can folks get in touch with you to move forward or find out some more information about how you can help them? Yeah, so I mean, backyard, backyard-eats.com is our website. Um, where you can book a consultation with us, which is ultimately the start of all of our client interactions. Um, but if you follow us on social media, um, there's a ton of resources we try to provide just for the community in terms of um, garden know-how, um, getting off the ground and maybe addressing some misnomers or hierarchy of needs. Um, so there's a ton of information out there through our website and social media um, surrounding gardening in general, but to engage with us as like a client or um, get us out to your property to look mm-hmm. and advise on where a garden could go, what you got going on, how to move forward. Uh, a consultation is the first step um, we would do. We typically come out and do a sun analysis, you know, check out where your water source is, how you interact with the space, 
you know, ask you what you're trying to get out of the garden uh, and eventually come up with something very custom to your property and design, um, followed by like a 3D rendering uh, process. So we can show you like exactly what the garden might look like in your space, nice. what the whistles are, and uh, get you exactly you know, kind of what you want. Good stuff. Thank you. Uh, well, before we get out of here, I just wanted to do our breakdown. Um, the breakdown. Uh, what would you uh, say is the, <laughs> the biggest misnomer when it comes to to having success? The the biggest misnomer. Oh boy, Mike, jump I know, in. I'm sure there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first thing that comes to mind. Well, the biggest misnomer I think of the backyard garden is that it's gonna look crazy. Um, and that you're not going to want to see it, uh, that it's going to be an overgrown mess and, you know, put it behind your shed or <laughs> something. It can look good. It can be part of the space. I think that's that most people mm. like your living space. And it's actually ideal. The idea that you could be at your kitchen sink and right outside, there's a ripe tomato that you could walk out and harvest in your bare feet. Um, nice. And really, that's what it's all about, like interaction with the garden and promoting that. Um, so I think the biggest misnomer is that the garden should be buried away and never looked at. <laughs> yeah, I think mine sure. was that, my, right, that it's not necessarily easy or fun. And I, I hate to be the bad guy because you're like, go garden, go plant, go put some, just put seeds in the ground and nature, mm -hmm. right? Nature, it's nature. <laughs> But it's a it's a human technology. It's not nature. It's very close to nature. puts you very in tune with nature. It's not necessarily easy or fun. So if you're not having a good time, you, you you're not a bad person. <laughs> you just like you just you're busy. You sure. are not a scientist. You you know don't have I don't know a clear cut path to follow, and that's where we come in. And um, yeah, we offer all those lessons learned. I had to say, I was going to say, we have to flex a little bit. We have taught in AI all of our rules around how to build a garden, how to, uh, sorry, plant a garden. Mm -hmm. um, so as far as the companion planting conversation and how we do our, our bespoke planting plans for our customers spring and summer, um, yeah, we have, a, we have a certain set of rules based on what we've figured out as important height, uh, orientation toward the sun grouping by soil disease. Um, Fantastic. there's 10, 12 more that we, yeah, that we wow. put in there. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. You use your years of knowledge and experience and to uh, create and, and sure. Yeah. And replicate that for your customers. Well, I thank you so much for being here today. I wish we could, I wish we could talk longer. Um, but folks, uh, check out Backyard Eats and follow them on Instagram. Uh, go to the website backyard-eats.com. Thank you so much um, to Mike and to Chris for being here today. I really appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having mm -hmm. us. We'll have to save everything for part two. Yes. <laughs> and thank you all for uh, liking. Thank and you for tuning into in. another awesome episode of Speaking of Sustainability. 
please follow and support our guests as we encourage you to continue doing your part to make a difference in our global community. And don't forget to rate, like, and share. See you next time. Oh, 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 o